Our text this morning comes from 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 11 and 12. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. From time to time, we need a reality check in order to establish proper priorities as we live our lives. In our past study of this epistle, we've been warned about those who would attempt to persuade us that Jesus is not coming again. Peter has affirmed the reality of his coming again, and on the basis of that reality, he admonishes us to check our priorities. Our awareness that these heavens and this earth are going to dissolve serves as a motivation for that reality check. The reality check is given to us in our study passage in Second Peter 3, 11 and 12. Let's look at it. Seeing then that these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? The phrase, seeing then that all, is translated from two Greek words, hutas ponton. Literal translation would say, thus, because all, because all these things shall be dissolved. These things is a re- reference to the destruction of the heavens and the earth. In our earlier study, as we've spoken of the heavens, it's plural here, and we've recognized there are three heavens. There is the atmosphere around the earth, then there is stellar space, and then the third heaven is described by the Apostle Paul as where God's seat is, where his throne is, where he dwells. The two heavens are in reference here then to being destroyed. The atmospheric heaven and stellar space is going to be destroyed, and this earth, all of these things shall be dissolved, Peter says shall be dissolved is translated from the Greek participle luminol. And a literal translation would say, they are as a matter of principle being caused to dissolve. The destruction of this earth is a matter of principle with God. He has established an agenda. The earth is part of that agenda, and we who live upon it are part of that agenda as well. Radical environmentalists need to understand that the earth is designed by God for deterioration and eventual destruction. They will not save planet earth, though they make so many attempts. God has revealed in his word basic principles of conservation and wildlife management that we ought to follow. But the fossil fuels and the other elements are designed to supply our need until the designated time of destruction. 
they will last until God's timetable is fulfilled. God has advised us of this in order to stimulate our thinking as to what kind of persons ought we to be. If I didn't believe what God has revealed in the Bible, I'd be a much different person than I am. I'm sure you would not like me at all. I would do whatever I could to get all the toys I could and all of the control that I could get. So perhaps you need to thank God daily that Troy Welch is a Christian because I put the Bible to the test and have concluded it is true and exact. I am motivated then to behave in a certain way and to live out the design that I find God has outlined for me in His Word. Because these things are going to happen I raise the question to you, what sort of person ought you to be? He said, in the King James text, it says, what manner of persons, translated from patamus, which is an interrogative pronominal adjective, and it raises the question, what sort of persons? The individual must decide for himself the principles as we find them in the Word of God, and determine a purpose and a plan for his life. And this question must be answered. What sort of person will you be based upon the revelation that God has given us in this text? The King James text translates it, What sort of persons ought ye to be? The word ought is translated from an impersonal verb in the indicative mood, and the word must is a better translation. It's not what you ought to do, it's what you must do based upon the realization that this heaven and this earth are going to be destroyed. What sort of person then must you be? He places it personal when he asks that question to each of us. What manner of person, what sort of person must you individually become? When he says what sort of person you must be, he uses an infinitive. And an infinitive is a part of speech in Greek grammar that identifies purpose. He is asking, what sort of person must you purpose to be because these things are going to be destroyed? We must purpose to be what is uh, described here is going to be a reality, and so that should generate a purpose for us concerning our behavior and our attitude as they are set forth for us here in our text. What sort of person must you be, must you purpose to be in all holy conversation as he identifies our action and then adds to that and our attitude? The term holy conversation 
needs a little attention this morning. The word holy, hagios, means set apart unto God for service. Our English language is incapable of conveying a word-for-word understanding of what is given to us in the original Greek texts of the New Testament because of the exactness of that language. We have a lot of different interpretations or views of, of thought when we hear the word holy. When we see it in the Word of God, we need to understand it as being set apart unto God for service. Because these heavens and this earth is going to be destroyed, because they're going to melt with a fervent heat and dissolve, then what sort of person must we purpose to be in the sphere of our having been set apart unto God for service? Of course, it first begins with our participation in being set apart unto God. God has provided a means whereby we can be saved. The only means whereby we must be saved is by faith in Jesus Christ. As a result of our calling upon the name of the Lord, our placing our faith in Him, our dependency upon Him for our salvation, in that moment of time we are set apart unto God for service. We are declared to be holy unto God at that point. It's a holiness and a being set apart unto God for service in conversation. Now, the old King James English word for conversation is quite different than our use of the word today. He's not talking about dialogue between individuals or uh, on the part of an individual. The word uh, anastrophos means manner of life. It relates to behavior, not as we would perhaps misunderstand it in our language of referring to dialogue or conversation. Peter raises the question, because these heavens and this earth are going to be dissolved, then what sort of persons must we purpose to be in our being set apart unto God in our manner of life. And then he adds, and godliness. Not only in our manner of life, but in our godliness. Now, the word godliness gets beat up pretty bad in the English language as well. It's a translation in the text here of the Greek word Eusebius. And it means to have a Godward attitude that does that which is pleasing to him. This is to be the attitude then that dictates our behavior. We are to have a Godward attitude that does that which is pleasing to God. I find it interesting that Peter placed our actions ahead of our attitude when one would think, Our attitude dictates our actions, and certainly that's what Peter had in mind. But in the reversing of the order, in the structure of the phrasing of the text, in the original Greek language, 
it adds greater emphasis to it. Our attitude is going to determine our behavior. And we must develop an attitude that is Godward. That is, that understands things from that which God has revealed and accepts God's plan and submits to His principles and His will in order that we might have a Godward attitude that will do that which is pleasing to Him. Peter then moves on in verse 12 to say, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Looking for. That's translated from prosdokantas, and it means awaking with expectations as a matter of principle. When we have a Godward attitude and we understand the plan of God and the will of God for our lives, then we can await with expectation as a matter of principle in our lives that unveiling of God's plan and carrying out of the fulfillment of the prophecy that has been revealed. Awaiting with expectations is a matter of principle here because the writer under the guidance of the Holy Spirit uses a participle that identifies a principle. And he indicates the area in which we are to maintain this expectation of the coming of our Lord and the completion of the prophecy that has been revealed looking for, not only awaiting with expectation as a matter of principle, but he says, and hasting unto. Hasting is translated from the Greek word spudantos. In this context and grammatical structure, it means desiring as a matter of principle. Awaiting with expectation as a matter of principle and desiring earnestly as a matter of principle the coming of the day of God. He said it is awaiting with expectations and desiring earnestly that we are waiting then unto the coming of the day of the Lord. The Greek word that is used here indicates a desire that is genuine, that is earnest. You have a desire for that day to come, and it should promote in our lives not anxiety or frustration that these things are going to happen, but it should motivate us to service because He is coming again. And so it is with expectation and earnest desire that we look forward unto the coming of the day of God. The word coming translated from the Greek word perusian identifies not only the arrival but the consequence of that arrival. 
Not just that He's coming again, but He's coming again to fulfill all that has been revealed to us in prophecy. Now certainly as believers, we look forward to the rapture, that coming of the Lord. But when we see that referenced in Scripture, it is referred to as the day of Christ. The day of the Lord is that which follows the day of Christ, as we saw in our previous studies, that the day of the Lord refers to the judgment that God is going to bring upon the earth, beginning with the tribulation, and then followed by His second coming and His bringing the nations into judgment through the millennium and the, the final attempt uh, on the part of Satan to destroy uh, the power of God and to take God's place, that being foot put down, all of that period of time is identified as the day of the Lord. But here in the text, we have the day of God. Theu, not Kuria. The word Theu identifies the one and the true God. And so he says, it is with earnest desire. We await expectantly the arrival and the consequence of the day of God. The day of God refers to eternity. That's when all the prophecy has been fulfilled and all of the plan of God has played out and the judgment of the great white throne has occurred and then we find eternity a totally new environment, a new heaven and a new earth. And we're going to be looking at some of that as Peter wraps up this epistle uh, in the weeks that are ahead. The day of God is a reference to eternity. The day of salvation refers to the point of time in which you call upon Jesus Christ as personal Savior. The day of redemption is identified as the moment of deliverance that's going to occur when Christ comes to get us. The day of Christ is the rapture of the church. The day of the Lord, as I said, begins with the tribulation and goes to the end of time. The, the day of Christ is the millennial reign of Christ, and the day of wrath is the sentencing at the great white throne, and then the day of God, eternity. So it is with anxious expectation and an earnest desire that that day come and these events come to a conclusion and we move into eternity. It's going to be introduced by the heavens being on fire, becoming dissolved. Peter identifies that where he says, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved. Wherein is translated from the Greek text, de hain, and it should be on account of which the heavens, and again, we're referring to the atmospheric heaven and stellar space being on fire, being as a matter of principle constantly on fire. And here's an interesting thing that we note. 
is that it's in the present tense. So, the being on fire, that process is already underway. As a matter of fact, we've seen that he stored up in the center of this earth, the very core of this earth, fire, that's going to be unleashed. But the process of this is, as a matter of principle, continuously being played out today. But at that point, being on fire, they shall be dissolved. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The elements shall be caused to melt with fervent heat. That word melt identifies then the reality that follows uh, that they will be totally dissolved. So these two verses should better read this way. Thus, because all these things, as a matter of principle, are being caused to dissolve, what sort of person must you continually purpose to be? In the sphere of a holy set-apart unto God for service manner of life, and with a Godward attitude that does that which is well-pleasing to Him waiting with expectation as a matter of principle and desiring earnestly unto the arrival and the consequence of the day of God, the day, the one of God, on account of which the heavens being continuously on fire will be dissolved and the elements being caused to melt as a matter of principle are then caused to be burnt up. As we look at the text, and we understand the application that relates to us, let me point out a couple of applicational principles. First of all, having established that Jesus is coming again, Peter now poses a question. His question is prefaced with a because statement. Because these heavens and this earth are going to dissipate as a result of God setting them on fire, what sort of persons must we be? Note again, the word must is essential here, and it is must because the heavens and the earth are destined to pass away based upon the reality that they are destined to pass away. Your role and my role as a believer is then to shape our priorities, uh, to live out our design, to fulfill God's purpose and plan in our life for that which He has revealed to us. Now, note that must word is important here because the heavens and the earth are destined to pass away. 
And so we are to fashion our priorities. We must fashion our priorities. This is not a salvation issue. It's a priority issue. We have, it is addressed to those who have already settled the salvation issue. They have called upon the name of the Lord for salvation. You fall in that group. Then what sort of person must you be understanding the reality that these heavens and this earth are going to be on fire and they're going to melt and they are going to dissipate so that there will be found no more place for them. It will require a new heaven and it will require a new earth in order for our continued existence in eternity. Peter poses this question concerning your behavior and your attitude. And he addresses your behavior first. He says, in all holy behavior. We identified the word holy as being from the Greek word hagios, which means set apart unto God for service. As believers, our lives are to be focused upon God's revealed design for each one of us. As a result of our salvation, Peter has informed us that we are now sojourners. That is, we're not living in our own country. We're citizens of the kingdom of God, but we're not yet there. We are foreigners living alongside the locals in their country in order to do business with them for our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. As a result of our salvation, we have become sojourners, foreigners, not living in our own country, but living alongside the locals to do our King's business. Whatever our role, whatever our occupation, whatever our circumstances, we are to represent Christ in our behavior, and in our attitude as well. The behavior is described to be a behavior that is set apart unto God for service. And everything that we do in our life needs to be built around that basic truth, that we have been set apart unto God for service. Now, not all of us are in vocational service and ministry, but all of us are in full-time Christian ministry. Living out the Christian design life is full a full-time responsibility. And we are to live it based upon the principles and the truths that are found in the Word of God. A knowledge of Biblical basic doctrines is essential for us to understand our salvation, our status of fellowship, our how we maintain fellowship, though we still have an old sin nature, how we can overcome that nature, how we can grow and develop and in spiritual maturity. All of those basic principles are given to us and to the new believer in order that we might be able to live out a life that is separated unto God, a life that is set apart unto God 
in service, and that service will be displayed in the special, in the spiritual gifting that God has given to each one of us. So that day by day, we live out that design with an eager expectation He's coming again. These actions and our behavior that identifies us as having, having been set apart unto God for service is to be motivated and based upon an attitude that is described by Peter as godliness. It literally means a Godward attitude that does that which is pleasing to Him. Our life is centered upon what God has revealed and what God has given to us to do and how God provides for that. Our actions day by day is to be motivated by an attitude that is always Godward and desires to do that which is pleasing to Him. These two phrases, holy behavior and godliness, motivate the question, what sort of person are you to be with regard to your holy behavior and with regard to your Godward attitude that does that which is pleasing to Him? Peter forces us to deal with that question privately and personally as we read it and as we hear it expounded upon. The specifics of this set apart unto God for service behavior and this Godward attitude that does that which is pleasing to Him will be addressed by Peter in the verses that follow. In verse 13 and 14, we'll see that nevertheless, we according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things. Here's instruction. See, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of Him in peace, without spot, and blameless. So in our next study, we're going to look at these two verses. And we're going to seek to better understand the application of God's Word on a daily basis to our life with a diligence that when He comes, He may find us in peace, without spot, and blameless. And then Peter will go on to say, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking of them, of these things, in which are some things that are hard to understand, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. And then he says, Ye therefore, beloved, 
seeing you know these things before. Beware, lest you also, being led away with the air of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. So we're going to be looking at those verses as we close out this epistle in the weeks that follow. But we all need to understand that our text today calls for a reality check. Every once in a while, we need a reality to check to see if, in fact, we are on track with God's plan, God's design, God's direction, God's leadership in our lives. We must have a reality check to see if our priorities are in line with His priorities. Whatever vocation or whatever situation we use to earn our livelihood, to live out our lives, whatever role we have, might be a truck driver or a mechanic or a carpenter or a farmer or a nurse or a salesman or an executive or an administrator or laborer as a homemaker or secretary or maybe a stay-at-home wife, whatever we do in our daily routine, that describes our mission field. That describes of the place that we live alongside the locals uh, in which we have been set apart unto God for service. Our behavior and a Godward attitude need to reflect the principles taught by our Lord Jesus Christ as we live out our time here on the earth. So we'll explore these statements concerning our behavior and attitude more specifically, but it all begins at salvation. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. The Bible says, With the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. In reading Paul or Peter's encouragement, and information to us. I'm drawn to the words of the hymnist A.C. Palmer, who wrote, Ready to go, ready to stay, ready my place to feel, ready for service, lowly or great, ready to do His will. We'll let that those words of that hymn writer be an invitation to you as you go throughout this week, ready to go, ready to stay, ready your place to fill, ready for service, lowly or great, ready to do His will. Let us pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. 
We pray for wisdom in understanding it and in understanding its application to our life and give you thanks for the grace that will help us perform it. In Jesus' name, amen.